Tonight's show is rated PG. It has no foul language. <laughs> Yet. At this point. We will let you know. That's, that's our point. We're going to try and let you know if there's anything that you should shield the young ones from. Okay, by the time we run this, I hesitated to even bring it up. Uh, my friend Peter asked me, who's also a, a fan of the show, asked if we were going to discuss the dress. Was that today? Today. Wow. Yes, See, it's, a, it's very current to us, but, but it should be. current, but this show's not going up for uh, seven days. No, but, but that's pretty fast for us because, we, yeah. you know, we have a two-week period where well, we, we had a, lot of, a new show. We had a lot of digging to do on yeah. this show. Yeah. So, um, but Which just, we did today. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> Most today. of it. Cursory yeah. research. Right. Um, so seriously, though, this is the thing about the dress. If you haven't heard about the dress, I'm going to presume that most of our listeners have heard about the dress, because just to be savvy enough to listen to a podcast, you probably knew about You're the dress. You're probably on the internets. Yes. This girl, the singer, I guess, I can't even remember from where. Australia. Uh, or that, England. One yeah. of those two. Yeah. Careful. <laughs> I'm not saying they're alike. I'm yeah, just saying no, it's, yeah. Yeah, no, no. I anyway, think she, she posts this picture. England. She's like, help me out. I can't tell if this dress is white and gold or black and blue. And well, her and her friends have been discussing it, too, because they had different opinions. Yes, they had different opinions, and it blew up the yeah. internet. Like, tens of millions of people got involved in this thing. And I saw some of it trending. I was, you know, checking our Twitter out, and I was like, people were hashtagging the dress, the dress. And I was like, you know, I was tired. I was like, I don't even care about yeah. this. So then this morning, I get up. I get the kid off to school. I'm sitting down. I have him wolfing down a little food. I'm flipping channels or whatever. The Today Show's on, and I see they decide to discuss. They're discussing the dress. Yeah. And this picture on the internet of this dress that some people think is blue and black, and some people think is white and gold. Right. Or gold right. and white, depending on how you look at yeah. it. Yeah. And so they had this whole thing about it. That's beside the point. The point is I went to look at it. I looked on the webpage. I saw the picture of the dress. It was very obviously blue and black to me. And I was like, I don't understand <laughs> what the big deal is. Sure. And I, I was like, you know what? This is int whatever. This is a passing thing. And by the time we run this show, which y and you'll have to tell us, listeners, it may already be a dead issue. But the point is, tonight, Forrest comes over so we can record in the studio. Okay, so I come over and, you know, Scott asks me if I've heard about this dress business. And it's like, well, no, I, I you know, I was on the internet today. Didn't, didn't check out many websites, though. And we're discussing, hey, is this going to be a good topic? Is it going to be old news by the time this gets out? And I think what made an inkling to me that this might be worth talking about is that Scott shows me the picture and he goes like, well, obviously, the dress is black and blue. And to me... No, it's obviously white and gold. Plain as day. And, I was like, no, what and, color? No, I think, he's, I think he's messing with me just to yeah. see like what my reaction would be. But, but no, he genuinely sees it and sees that it's black it and blue. It was black and blue. I mean, I looked at it. It's black and blue. But that's – okay, so, so that's unusual right there. Like, well, that's really interesting because it's not like, you know, hey, butterscotch is delicious. No, it's not. Or it's okay. It's nothing that's kind of gray and based on personal preference. This is obvious. And they're not even similar. Is this orange or is this salmon? Like, no, no. These are not even close colors. So that's interesting right away. But then we're thinking like, ah, still, I don't know. Maybe there's something else we can talk about. And I'm trying to do stuff around the house. So we're going to walk my dog because my wife is busy. So we go out and we take the dog for a walk. We're walking down the street. We go around the corner. This car parks at the neighbor's house. And this mom gets out and these two girls get out who are, I guess, you know, late teens. They come running over to us. They're like, excuse me, excuse me. And they show for us the phone. And they're like, what color is this dress? <laughs> and we're like, that's yeah. the first time. Yeah. No, it cemented of... that. Because yeah. they believe, they agree with Scott that it is black and blue. No, no. And the mother says, no, 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 it's white and gold. So right there. Yeah. it's And that's what's so strange, I, I think, because there are other pictures on the website 
Yeah, but when you, you know look at the, the dress, the links on our yeah, site. There's yeah, there's other one. There's uh, other. It was the Wired.com article That's about it. Right. Why is everyone seeing something different? That's right. And yeah. there's also we looked uh, on uh, on uh, Good Morning America. I think they they or the Today the, Show. The excuse Today me. Show did a segment the Today on show, it. Yeah, yeah, and they had a girl in London wearing the dress. No, it's, it, and, and it was black and blue. Yes, and, and I agree because yeah. when they have the other shots of her yeah. and live video, and she's she's being broadcast live right. uh, from from London, saying like, "Well, no, obviously you can see right. it." All right, well, I now, agree. Okay, so now yeah. this is getting boring. Everyone knows that everyone is seeing <laughs> the dress differently. The question is, what does this say? Why are we including this on an episode of Astonishing Legends? And because in a way, it plays into something we've talked about before, where how to, people see different things, and you can't say what someone is seeing, and they can't tell you. What they have seen. Right. And just because if they're in an environment where they're experiencing something very unusual and like if we, you know, we've been doing a lot of shows on ghosts lately. That's not all we're going to do, but particularly lately. And people say, oh, I saw. Did you see this? I heard. Did you hear this? This just goes to show that your senses are about, as you said, Forrest, what did you say? You see with your. Yeah. You, you see with your brain. Not with your eyes. It's like the camera on your cell phone. The little tiny lens is just accepting the light and focusing it onto a sensor. The sensor interprets the image. Of, right. Of what, you know, that puts it together so it's something you can see. So that's what's happening in your brain. Same kind of thing. I think the, the neuroscientist uh, on the website just said that, well, that's kind of basically what's happening is that we're all... Everyone's brain is different. A, a great segment of people are interpreting it differently. Well, and the other thing that's interesting to me about this, and, you know, just to get a little bit fringe here, is that... If it hadn't come up, everyone just sees it the way they see it, and they accept it. Yeah. If you don't say anything. Because you know, it's only right. going to look this way in this picture. If she buys the dress and she wears it out to a restaurant, it's going to look the color that it is that everyone's seeing. It was this particular picture and the way it was captured and the temperature of daylight and all yeah. that kind of stuff that contributed to this weird, perfect storm of it being able to be interpreted in different ways by people who looked right. at it. So it was this moment of... Look, look, reality is different for half of humanity. Now, the Today Show did a poll, and they said that 67% of people right. saw it as white and gold. White and gold. Which and that, I did. which Right, which you did, <laughs> which puts me in the minority. 33%. Yeah, blue and black. Right. Yeah. But they're so different. That's what interests me, is that there's no gray area. Literally, there's no gray area. Anyway. Okay. That's enough about the dress. And uh, as, as and one website joked, there hasn't been this much discussion about a blue dress since Bill Clinton was in office. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Welcome back to Astonishing Legends. I'm Scott Philbrook, and this is Forrest Burgess. Time travel used to be thought of as just science fiction, but Einstein's general theory of relativity allows for the possibility that we could warp space-time so much that you could go off in a rocket and return before you set out. Stephen Hawking. Okay, before we get started tonight, I just want to quickly give a shout out to Leonard Nimoy, who died today as, as we're recording this. Again, it'll be seven days later by the time you hear it, but today it was, it's still very current in our minds, and you may have seen our tributes to him on Twitter and our Facebook page. I just want to say that his TV show, In Search Of, 
was an unforgettable show from our childhood. Yes. And, uh, you know, and we're dating ourselves a little bit here. I just, I do want to quickly add, I was very young <laughs> when it was <laughs> I was on. a little older, but sure. <laughs> but I remember it clearly, you know. No, that, you, you, you were old enough to understand what they were talking about. Yeah, it was amazing. It yeah. was amazing to me. I remember one about yogurt being alive, and I was like, what? I'm eating it. It's alive. You know, so. Yeah. And, and so and, delicious. Yeah, exactly. And, and fruit I said, on the bottom. <laughs> between In Search Of and later Unsolved Mysteries. Right. The format of our show would probably be an unsolved mystery itself <laughs> if we didn't have those models, yeah, yeah. you know. So we we have to give our deference to Mr. Nimoy and Robert Stack, who are both gone and have left yeah. a tremendous void to fill. So uh, if you know anybody you'd like to fill that void, uh, please contact our agents. <laughs> you know, it was uh, <laughs> wait, we don't have agents, not yet. We're but we're taking uh, considerations. Yeah, right. So thank you. It's it's one of those things where if it's something you've never heard about and you've just found it was so cool. You were really thankful, you know what I'm saying? Because you didn't hear that anywhere else. We just want to say Mr. Nimoy is going to be sorely missed, and our condolences go out to his immediate friends and family. Just a, a true icon. Not only was his character Spock, of course, that he that he made famous, but that carried on into believability and rationality in a, in a sense that you carried over those principles from his character on the show. Again, a very comforting presence. Yes. May your journey be free of incident, Mr. Nimoy. Okay, so you want to hear something interesting? Yes. 228 days from the release of this episode, Marty McFly is set to join <laughs> us in the year 2015. Now, prior to his arrival, it's been a very bad year for the regular 2015 Marty. His boss, Flea, from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, has talked him into taking a bad deal that winds up getting him fired. Moral of this movie? Avoid Flea when time traveling. <laughs> You know, but it, it, he lives in my neighborhood, so it's kind of hard. Does he really? Yeah, he's. Oh, uh, I'm a huge and, fan of his. Actually, oh no, no, he's no, he's great, and he's uh, he started a music conservancy for children at the uh, Silver Lake Junction oh, on Sunset that's very cool. or Sunset Junction very in cool. Silver Lake. Yeah, and so it's kind of this epicenter of that, and uh, he used to drive around in this old Mercedes that was multicolored, kind of a who was the guy that does the patchwork? It was just brightly colored, and you could always see Mondrian. Yes, oh. exactly. It had straight lines, nice. like a grid, or it was patchwork. It just yeah. looked patchwork, but very clean graphically. And I've never, I haven't seen it for years, but that's how you knew it was flea. Right. Nice. That's yeah. so cool. All right. So let me ask you something. Did you mm -hmm. know that in two thousand five, an MIT graduate student hosted a time travelers convention? Uh, you know what? That that sounds vaguely. He got a lot of publicity. Yeah, from like, I remember like a very brief news blip because that's all they're going to devote time to. But I think, I, yeah, I kind of heard about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was like, he went from announcing it and asking, he was asking students to put slips, hide them in old, unused library books <laughs> wow. that ex told when the party yeah. was. And the theory was that if anybody could time travel, they're going to come back to this party. Right. So they had this huge get together. And five days after he started the announcement, it was in the New York Times. Yeah. So it's not hard to find in our historical, our world timeline, yes. which is going to come up again tonight. Right. So how many time travelers came to the party? <laughs> I don't you know. know if they, no. How Unless many? they came incognito, zero. 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 Did, um, now, there did was any, a guy that showed up yeah. in a DeLorean. There was. Yeah. Oh. He was just that a, sounds like something you would do. Yeah. If you, if you had, you, you would rent the DeLorean just for the day. Not quite. No, that but nerdy, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of sad because I would expect regular people to show up. Well, I'm sorry, was it exclusive to time travelers? Oh, Is no, it? no. There were a lot of people there, and oh, he had, okay. he had um, arranged for chips and salsa ah, that's right. and a couple of bands. Yeah. <laughs> So there because were, there, he did, there he were people was, having a good time there, right? Yeah, when well, he okay, was good. hoping, too, that word okay, would get good. out that the party was fun. And again, if 
people might come back yeah. to what the party. What you're saying, though, is that nobody showed up and announced themselves As or claimed to be a time traveler, but other people showed up and ate the chips and salsa yes. and the libations. And listened to music. Okay. Well, there you go. That's so, a, but yeah, the that's theory nice. is this should have been an easy mark to hit. You know, I mean, and people argue about time travel. Some people say that, well, you have to specify yeah. geographic location. Because, like, oh. if you think about, like, in Back to the Future, I mean, you're getting into all – we're going down yes. all kinds of rabbit holes tonight. We have not even – We do not have, scratched. as you know, physics degrees. We're just going to talk about this. We're going to, you know <laughs> – Casually. Casually, yes. So, uh, <laughs> and, could, what's your... and Mr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, if you hear this one and you want to call in and make some corrections, please do call <laughs> Cursory us. Cursory conversation. <laughs> so – but the, the bottom line is this. There's some people that say that if you do time travel, like in Back to the Future, it worked because – they were in the car. They were driving in a specific geographic location yeah. that they stayed in in the car when the when they made the jump, I guess. What does some people say that if you're time traveling or more importantly, what more people seem to be interested in is writing a book or a movie about time traveling. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Do you have to – does the earth have to be in its exact same place yeah. in its orbital path right. and rotation? Because if you make this jump, you're going to – Poof, you're going to appear yeah. either the Earth is on the halfway around the sun and you're in empty space and you're dead, or you land in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Right. Or, or what, your, you know. your machine is materialized inside of Jamba Juice. Yeah, it's a, right. You know what I'm saying? You have to – that was one interesting thing in that movie with Guy Pierce. He had to find a place to stash the time machine so it's not like, oh, we tore that building down and we your, your time machine is now at a junkyard. You have to have a secure location. Is that what you're, you're getting at? You have to have – Yeah. It I mean, has to, to be me, constant. You need a constant. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not going to lie. Right. I – you know, I've enjoyed uh, creative writing and short sure. fictional writing. And in the past, I actually pursued writing a time thing myself. All yes. right. So, yeah, I guess I am that much of a nerd. Yeah, but it's very con- it's hard to do. Yeah. yeah. And I – in my story, my idea was that they did have to know where the earth was on the day and the time. And there was like something that you knew wouldn't be disturbed and it was yeah. a cave somewhere. Right. And you built the apparatus in the cave. And it was made out of things that would last That's several right. thousand years. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you would you would go always go when you knew the cave was in the exact same place at the same yes. day yeah. and space and time. You know, you and maybe oh. if you're off by a few inches you might, you know, get a girder in your arm. But we make- <laughs> Well, no, I was just about to get to that. This ties in a little bit with the Philadelphia experiment. Yes, well, that's... If you know anything about that, but they, apparently the the legend goes that uh, some guys partially fused with the ship. Yeah, when well, the U.S. Navy were, was trying yeah. to develop a cloaking yeah. device. Molecules the, the big story. Or yeah. the, the, you know, and, and I didn't dig into this no, no, no. at all, yeah. but I believe they were trying to develop something that would make the ship invisible. Yes. Not necessarily time travel. No. But they inadvertently time traveled 10 seconds back in time or something. That was the initial Uh, thing. But you loosen the molecule so that. And when the ship reappeared, people were like materialized halfway in and out of some folks ship did decks yes. and that kind some of some folks did a lot of people ended up uh with diseases later that kind of thing yeah. so it's it's and not well, that was all electromagnetic like, right now well, the navy says yeah. none of this ever happened by the way no but there are reports of uh, there are reports of sailors who said that there's ports too at, in ports <laughs> any port of call they mentioned that they saw large electromagnetic machinery being hauled onto the ship and actually helped in that. That's right. And, of course, th- these are sailors. They're going to be discharged at some point, you know, and, and yes, they may have been sworn to secrecy. But anyway, so rumors have got out that people did see when it was happening. Yes. Empty spaces in the water yes. where the ship's were displacing the water. Yeah, that's true. Supposedly. Yeah. Supposedly. There's a movie about that, The Philadelphia Experiment. It's a very good movie. And we have on our website, with, yeah. along with this posting, there's a link to the 25 best 
time travel movies. Oh, so, good. Yeah. Hey, thanks for compiling that. Yeah, That's well, funny. I didn't compile I know. it. <laughs> oh, you didn't. Oh. But I cut and pasted a link. Thank you, then. <laughs> Thank you for I spent hitting the control. the whole day today. And, and control C. Yes, Thank I was you. looking at the blue dress, and I was compiling time travel movies. Nice. But uh, anyway, the bottom line on this is that stuff. this stuff can get pretty complicated. You know, oh, oh, and no, by, by the way, philosophical. a recent really great movie, yeah. if you haven't seen it, is Looper. It's, it's oh, a, yeah, yeah. That's one of the best. And one of my favorite scenes in that, they sit down, uh, the the past, the pa- I don't want to do any spoilers. The character from the past is talking to himself from the future. Yes. And Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis is playing the the older version. And he's like, oh, there's all this time travel <laughs> stuff. It gets yeah. complicated. We're not going to talk about it. He's yeah. just, they just throw it away because yeah. you know what, actually... It's not part of what you makes don't the movie have good. to. It's Who a, cares? It's it's yeah. extra expository. <laughs> yeah. You just accept the idea that that's happening. Yes, uh, I love that Joseph Gordon Levitt too. Yes, excellent. Yes, and uh, and my friends have, have actually worked with. Uh, shout out to Ryan Johnson, great director. Yes, did a few episodes of uh, Breaking Bad too. Yes, that's yeah. right. And uh, uh, and our and our friend Judson Crane, who wrote the theme oh, music for right. our show, yeah. played on that soundtrack and went on to be a composer on Levitt's film Don John as well. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, a lot of talented musicians. Yes. Yeah. Um. Anyway. So there's no shortage of these stories, and a, a lot of them have been coming out lately. One of the beautiful things about the internet, and uh, thank God we won net neutrality, by the way. A little shout out for that, because that that mm. would have really changed the course of everything. Well, when, you, when you understand that, let me let me know. I, I, well, I understand <laughs> okay. in the big picture yes. that things aren't going to change, and that okay. we aren't going to have to pay extra, or that our listeners aren't going to have to pay extra to hear our show. Well, we or are. If like we that. add video, yes. eventually have a problem. Nice. So so, so that's beautiful. But, okay. Um, because of the internet and the proliferation of media and information, it's made it really easy for stories, not only time travel stories, but all the kinds of stories that we love to talk about on Astonishing Legends to be found. And as a result, we just quickly, before we get into what our main story is about tonight, we want to talk a little bit about the greatest hits, especially of the past few years of time travel stories. From right. the internets? Yes, from the interwebs. Nice. That's, that's okay. What, that's what old people say when they joke about the name of the You have internet. to use the. Yeah. It's, it's the, the Roku. Well, yeah, some folks say that. Let's see. There was the one picture of the hipster guy standing in the crowd. Yeah. Have you seen that? And, yeah. Um, we have all of these up yeah. on our website. There's another link that that's, I that's cut. That's in Canada. Yeah, I cut and pasted. Okay. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. But there's, the, there's a link to it. And there's the guy standing in the crowd. He looks like the coolest dude out of Greenpoint you've ever seen in like, Brooklyn. Like cra- yeah, like a little just, like Kramer. He's got the Kramer yeah, hair. Yeah, he's got like big he's hair. Tall. He's wearing like glacier glasses yeah. and a sweatshirt. And Compared to the older folks, he's standing around, yeah. sure. He you know, they all out. look like your grandparents, yes. uh, your great-grandparents yes. in old photos, but he's just, he's a guy probably in his late 20s. Well, yeah. how do they all, you know, he's not going to wear the waist-high, you know, right. uh, William Demarest, you know, you're not going to reverence him. No. <laughs> my three sons. Uh, yeah, my three sons. You know, sons, pulled yeah. up, that's how Hey, I live next door to one of the makeup artists from that show. Yeah. Oh, good. No, he, <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't think it's a little bit along the lines of pareidolia. And, and you, we've talked about that before. Right. You want to see it and, and confirmation bias. Yeah, it all right. plays into it. It does you, play You in. want to see this. You want to believe in time travel. We yeah. want to believe in it. Another one of the most famous ones that has come out in the past couple of years, I think it was just in the 2000s. Yes. Somebody was looking at this Chaplin film. Yeah. And sees uh, a woman walking through on a cell phone. His movie, The Circus. Yes. Uh, there's an older, it's just a shot, I think, of a theater entrance. And there's a there's an older lady who walks by and she's clutching something kind of rectangular. Right up to, to her, her face. This and is it on looks our website. Like, and it, look, it does look a little bit like she's mumbling. It's all over YouTube. You can Google it and find it. I think the film is from 1928. Yes. And if you, it dissolves quite quickly before you see too much of her. 
But it's obviously, you know, and it's funny. This you begs the, a million questions. Yeah, you read the comments, though. It's like, no, no, it's a time traveler. And he's yeah. just, he's dressed up like an old lady. Like, yeah. well, why would you do that? Also, you know, why would you appear in a Chaplin film <laughs> like on a cell phone? Know. Look, you're from the future. <laughs> also, you know, you're film. who are you yeah. talking to? Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. in 1928. No, the service is very clear. There's only one person. Yeah. 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 I'm talking and, to and, Tesla. Yeah. So, so the main yeah. thing about that is that Siemens, the, company, the German company Siemens, as yeah. well as General Electric or somebody else, have both developed a hearing device that was a yeah. little box in 1924, four years ah, prior to the right, making right. of this film. That look exactly like what she was holding. You hold it up and you would hear – it would help you hear things. So it was basically an early hearing aid. We're not saying that's what it was, but it could have been that easily. It is not a cell phone. You do not go back in time (laughs) and talk to your – the time you left – over a cell, that would be a kick-ass. No, that was kind of. That was can, can, yeah, can I call nineteen sixty-five? <laughs> yeah, that was no. kind of cool though. I love that scene in uh, Twelve Monkeys. Oh, another time travel movie. Oh, Bruce yeah. Willis. He's kind of a weird prisoner of sorts. They yeah. send him back in time, and he knows that he has to go to this phone booth in the in our present day, the past. And I think he waits. No, he can leave messages. That's it. Mm-hmm. He can call with instructions or what uh, or what it is and leave a message. And in the, they'll get it in the future. And I, I believe he can... But that's maybe... a special device, though. There's a special yeah. number. But, right. Yeah. But he... But that's kind of cool. It's like, eh, that's... You could set it up that way because he, yeah. uh, he know, it has to be the specific phone booth. Right. It's not a cell phone. And uh, and that's... Oh, people also have to realize in around that time, there were a lot of inventions and appliances that were, you know, per, to promote health and, you know, things that just vibrate. The, the vibrating belt that was supposed to help yes. you lose weight. Yes. Things that didn't really work. But there was a lot of new things invented with electricity. So... That's one theory is that it's a, it's a hearing device, you know, and it, that is not that preposterous. Now, there's another shot of, say, of some young women doing a similar thing, right? Oh, I don't oh, know do you, about that Oh, one. you don't know about no, that no, one? No, no, I so know. I saw that earlier today. There's like five or six women leaving a factory, and they're probably in their mid-20s. Oh, yes, I do remember okay, that. Okay, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I yeah. thought you yeah. would have. Yeah. And, and one of them's got like a device uh, up to her head. It's just, look, it's just a rectangular brick. There's no antenna. Yeah. There's no buttons on it. Yeah. It's not that people can see that, but people want to believe that. And so, uh, and then one guy, I think, who posted uh, near the photos, oh, that was, he was claiming that it was his grandmother or great-grandmother, <laughs> and that it, I think it was the DuPont factory uh, and they was like, no, no, they were testing this wireless device. And they were, you know, it's like, and then people think, like, well, why would they, I mean, she was a switchboard operator. It doesn't make sense. Like many things that we're going to discuss later on tonight. Well, yes. may it, or may not make sense. Well, and there's two more that I quickly want to touch yeah. on. There's the one about the guy. <laughs> and I remember hearing about it. I almost can't even tell the story <laughs> with a straight face. Guy from Sweden is having a problem oh. in his kitchen. Okay. <laughs> This guy from Sweden's having a problem yeah. from his kitchen. I mean, that's not that's yeah. funny in itself, sure, yeah. but yeah. Not, he's having that's a problem. The whole story. So he's, you know, he gets a couple of wrenches or whatever. He opens the cabinets. He goes down under his sink to fix the problem, and he realizes the cabinet is deeper than he thought it would be. And he starts crawling through into the cabinet under. His, he's like, "What is going on here?" Crawls through, comes out of a cabinet on the other side, and he's in another house, and he's like. Let's wait, this is strange. He's like, I must have gotten turned around. I don't understand. He gets up. There's some water spilled on the floor. He can't figure out what that's from. And he gets up, and then he, he goes to get something to wipe it, because the kitchen is just like his kitchen. Are you sure this isn't Coraline? Like yeah, right. Because it's like, just a little bit like that. He's yeah. wiping the stuff off the floor, and then he turns around, and he comes face to face. And I'm paraphrasing him, and I have this exactly right, but as you'll see in a minute, it doesn't matter. He turns around, and he comes face to face with an older version of himself. Ah, and right. 
but the beauty of this is he took his cell phone with him. And I <laughs> sure. guess if you know, so the conclusion is there was a wormhole under the kitchen sink. Yeah. He goes through, and I guess you can go through wormholes, your organic matter, your yeah. clothes, your cell phone. It's all going to work. And he takes a video of this man on the other side who he says is an older version of him. Yeah. And he shows a tattoo. Yeah, the same tribal on the tattoo of, yeah, on the just, uh, yeah, forearm. Super yeah. cliche tribal <laughs> tattoo on their forearms. <laughs> Let's not judge his tattoos. Come on, it's you know he's from a different. No, he's I from know. a different hey, time. Well, hey, I've got ink. I can yeah. say what I well, want. Well, now, it's now, a cliche yeah, but tattoo. he's a seventy-year-old guy <laughs> with a tribal tattoo that a twenty-year-old would be wearing. Yeah, well, so, sure. so there's a lot of problems with this story for me. I mean, I'm not even going to mention the obvious ones. <laughs> well, well, he's got a sink problem that apparently you know pervades dimensions. Yes, so. and the, but then the other one is that you know the tattoo for me on the old man was not nearly as faded as it should have been yeah. for as old as it was. Right. Um, and, and like I said, source, I have tattoos. Yeah, and, inks are better. They need. Days, they already yeah. need touch-ups. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying. Yeah. So there's that. Then the other big problem is that later it was a pronounced hoax by a pension company. They uh, did it on purpose. Yeah. They led us all on. It was a Norwegian pension company. Yeah. Uh, back there, to, which is interesting. You know what, our our of, last show was oh, on Norway. <laughs> that's right. That, that, not yeah. that there's really any connection. Other than yeah. if there's something really terrible about media, you can usually blame advertising. <laughs> And we worked. Hey, I got to hey, be careful. No, no, no. I've got I a background. Uh, no, no. I have it's a family, strong family tie in that. So there's nothing. No, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but it's yeah. like, look, they're they're going to try creative. Unique it's a great. Things actually, and, it's a great hey, idea. No, they, it they went grabbed, viral. They We're got talking about it. Yes. absolutely. But I'm not going to say the company. No. Uh, but you know what? And you I don't can't know pronounce what it. it was. That's why. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't. It's in Swedish. I don't need a Norwegian pension plan either. So no, anyway, right. Yeah, and evidence of time travel comes in a lot of different ways, right? So, Forrest, I know you have a picture. That's like your favorite, you know, yeah, time it's, it's travel picture. Kind of, it's just very cool. I wish I was the it's, little kid in the picture. It's on our website, happening. by the way. It's on yeah. our website. Go ahead and tell uh, our listeners. It's, it's prominent on uh, Imager, too. In a Imager. series. Imi- that's what he said. Imager. No, Imager. Imager. It's not Imager. Imager. There's Imager. no vowel Imager. between the M and the it's G. Bu- but that's the idea. Imager. Imager. No, it's Imger. I don't. I don't. There's no uh, vowel between. I know. The M I, under, and the G. I get that, but it's it's a truncation. <laughs> Never yeah, mind. You can't just okay, put a yeah. vowel in there. Uh, but it's like uh, no the, the the tumbler, right? How do you say? It? You say tumbler, tumbler. No, I say tumbler. tumbler. That the, the e is yeah, silent you, anyway. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You put an e in there, and there's no e in there. I didn't put it in oh. there. It's tumbler. Yeah, but you pronounce it like it's like no. But, it's the what the l and the r sounds okay. like next to each other. Tumblr. Regardless of all that, there's Imager. a really. Cr- Imager. Imger. There we go. Imager. No. Imager. No. <laughs> Imger. This could go on for, four, yeah, for 45 minutes. I have to least. admit, though, as, as many yeah. pictures, and it's probably tens of thousands that I've looked at on Imger, Imger. I have never had a conversation about it. Really? So I don't know in the real world how it's pronounced. But oh. I, there is no vowel between the M and the G. I fully so realize me, that. Imger, some people probably say Imger, like the, it's the whole GIF, GIF yeah, argument. Yeah, I think that that's, then, then you're probably... Anyway, the picture, you, let's yeah, get You have an AOL story. address, yeah. probably. No, I don't. If uh, <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So, look, this is called the Solway Firth Astronaut. And what the story is, is that there was a guy named Jim Templeton, and he was uh, photographing his young daughter in a nice, lovely field holding some flowers, you know, and she's she's probably uh-huh. about a four or five years old. Uh, now, Solway Firth is an inlet that's kind of close to the border between England and Scotland. You know, Scotland's above, it's the same island, but it's above uh, it's above England. So it's around that, that area. It's a lovely day, and right behind the little girl, and I, I get gathered from how this figure is posed, he's looking away, but it's somebody in a white suit, 
and it looks kind of like an astronaut. Now, the, the suit is much more form-fitting than, than what you see with our astronauts, but it's some kind of a helmet or head wrap or hat. And they're looking the other way, and the way I gather that is that the right arm is cocked, akimbo, uh, on the hip. And uh, But it's kind of... Be- akimbo. Arms akimbo. I, that's one of the first entries in the dictionary. That's the only reason I know that. So uh, one arm is kind of cocked, and it looks like that's the right arm, and he's... Well, he or she is facing away from the little girl. Now, this picture's on our website, by the way. Yes. I, and, to me, it looks like he's facing her. He looks like he's that's, facing her. Well, no, I, I thought he's that too. I, had, I, I think so, because look at the right arm and the way the elbow's cocked in the shadow. Uh, to me, that looks, yeah, because well, when I first saw it. a visor on the back of his that head? That maybe not. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a visor, but I'm thinking now it's not. I'm thinking that's just part of the, the uh, mechanism of whatever the head covering is. Whatever it is, it. it is way the hell out of place. Well, this is the thing. It's, it's, and that's kind of the point, is that they didn't notice this until they went and had the film developed. Now, apparently it says here in the little caption, Kodak, he had the film sent to Kodak, the negatives, and, and uh, you know, I'm sure they examined it closely, and they cannot determine that, you know, this is, this is not digital film. This is not Photoshop. This is before that. So it's chemical film. And it was not – they determined it was not altered. It's just, it's just one of those uh, – almost like an upa, picture. like an out-of-place out of place artifact. Oh, yeah. That's the aliens that's guy. The, well, that's that, the right? – uh, What's his name? No, the Giorgio Tsoukalos, who we would also love to have on the show. Yes, we would. Yeah, he's awesome. Aliens. <laughs> that's the meme. Yes, that's the meme. <laughs> anyway, we have, anyway. A, we have this picture on our website. It is it, truly amazing. It kind of goes, you, though, If you're going to believe that yeah. it's not a hoax or a forgery, which, I, you know, the story on it, and, and also it's like if you're going to hoax something, yeah. this would be a weird choice to make. It's a very, it's a very strange, not in a family photo. Yeah, yeah. it's just I don't a weird. Know. It's a, it's know. a weird confluence of items, yes. and people. Yes, and uh, the point though is that things are punching through yeah. into this dimension or overlapping or. It's kind of like the idea of folded space. You ever heard of that? It's kind of you have two points in a plane. You fold it together where they meet. So oh, now, what was that book? Yeah. There was a book I read. In well, not Herbert, Frank high. Herbert's Dune. No, of course, yeah. Because yeah, no, they fold space read, in that yes, one. Yes, they think, did. Yeah. No, that, but that's like, you know, yeah. a thousand pages. Sure. This was a simple wrinkle in time, wrinkle in oh, time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, right. That Her, was a huge yeah. hit when I was a kid. I don't know if it still holds up, but I did love it if you have kids. So our last anecdote before we get to our featured time travel story tonight is about Sir Robert Victor Goddard, who was instructed to make an inspection flight over an airfield in Edinburgh... Well, not bad. <laughs> yeah, right. not bad. Sure. Yes, we come yeah. back to Edinburgh. If you don't yeah. know about the Edinburgh pronunciation, go back and listen to Greyfriars Kirkyard, the yeah. Halloween special from 2014, which is all about Edinburgh. Yeah. So anyway, uh, in Scotland. So he's instructed to fly over this airfield in Edinburgh at a at – a, um, it was called the Drim Airfield, which I'm yeah. not pronouncing right, I'm sure, but it's D-R-E-M. Oh, that sounds right. Um, so they, they've asked him to fly over it and report its condition. He flies over. He sees that it's it's pretty much run down. There's grass growing up through the tarmac, which is what they expected to find. But he confirms this, and he's turning around to return to his base. On his way back, he gets caught in some very bad weather. Ooh, always a storm. Yeah, lots of rain, all this stuff. The and final he's, countdown. He's having some issues. <laughs> yes, the final yeah. countdown, yes. Look it up, kids. Yeah, good movie. Uh, and he's, well, maybe not a good movie, but mm. entertaining. <laughs> entertaining, entertaining. <laughs> and also my son's favorite song by Europe. Um, Two different things, but yes, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So anyway, he's he's um, he's caught in this storm, and uh, this reminds me a little bit of Electronic Fog, actually. Look it up if you're interested, but we will be doing a story on it. But anyway, he gets caught in this bad storm, 
And he's become a little disoriented, but he remembers where the airfield is at Edinburgh. So he decides he's going to try to get back to that just so he can get his bearings. Yeah. So he turns around. He's flying back towards the airfield. And as he's getting closer to it, the weather clears from rainy, horrible, horrific storm weather to perfectly sunny, idyllic Wizard of Oz weather. So, right, he's coming back now. He's looking down at the field again as he's trying to get his bearings, and he sees that it's in excellent condition. The tarmac is perfect, and not only that, there are planes all up and down the field, and they're yellow. Mm. And all the personnel working on the planes and moving about and going in and out of the hangars are wearing uh, blue uniforms or blue coveralls. And this is strange to him because in addition to this, he sees some planes that he recognizes, but there specifically was one plane that he couldn't identify. He had never seen it before. Now, this man was an air marshal. Yeah. <laughs> not, not the kind that fly on the planes yeah. in plain clothes today. Yeah, no, no, no. No, no, he, he, no he was but like he, a high-ranking officer. He's yes. going to know what an airplane of course. looks like. So yeah. it's a really strange thing. And he's like, I don't, un, you know, whatever, but I've got my bearings. I'm going back. So he returns back to his base. And he lands, and he's like, you know, everything looked great. There were these yellow planes. I don't understand. He filed an official report. And no one really knows what happened, but he's obviously a reputable source. Yeah. Four years later, the RAF changed the colors of all their planes to yellow and instituted blue uniforms and coveralls for all their men in the field. Four years later. Wow. And not based on his recommendation. Yeah. And um, yeah, maybe they did. Maybe they heard his story and they're like, <laughs> well, that sounds bloody delightful. Yeah. Let's yeah. get Victor. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is the, the point being is this is a trusted observer, as you would hear in court, a, uh, a trained and trusted observer. He knows what planes look like. And who knows? Could be a time slip, which also happens quite a bit. I wonder if they saw him. I thought that, too. When you did, hear that story, it's like, yeah. did they look up? Did they wave? Did they interact? I what don't is know. a strange old you biplane? That story in itself could be an episode of the show. If we can get oh. some more research on it, maybe wow. we'll do that. We'll see. Because I, I really like that one. Let's, mo- let's yeah. move on to the main story we wanted to cover tonight, which is the story of John Teeter. Yeah, and is, is that, that even – do we even know that's how you pronounce his name? Is it Tidor? We Tidor? don't really know. It's not I, his I, real I say, name. I say Teeter, yes. It was a pseudonym, it's a pseudonym that he chose so he could post some messages on Art Bell's BBS way back in the day, which yeah. BBS stands for Bulletin Board Service. This predated the internet as most of our listeners will know it. Back in the early days, the internet had no pictures. <laughs> well, <laughs> it didn't it, even it, have web addresses. It took addresses. 20 minutes to, to download one with your, with your phone modem. Yes, your, you your, had to do the uh, phone yeah. modem, and you went to these bulletin boards, which was a lot like a hot tub in a seedy part of town. Yeah. And you, <laughs> you put never knew what you were going to get. Yeah. Put messages up, and people shared things. And, you know, it was even more anonymous than it is now. The surprising thing is that there were actually less trolls around back then than there are now. Yeah. Somehow. I, I, yeah. The anonymity still allows trolls to be around. Well, now everybody's got a computer. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the long and short of it is that this man, John Teeter, appeared on these bulletin boards at Art Bell's website. Now, Well, for for the show Coast to Coast. Yes, Coast to Coast. A lot of our listeners probably don't know who Art Bell is or or might – I shouldn't say probably don't. Some will be like, oh, yeah, he's the the king. Other people are going to be like, I have no idea. Art Bell hosted a show called Coast to Coast, which is still on the air. Art has retired. And now it is hosted by a gentleman named George Norrie. And yes. the show is just, it's kind of the... It's still huge. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the it, Valhalla it, yeah. of 
this kind of discussion, but it's an AM radio show. Yeah. And at it, night. And usually in markets from, like, from 10 to, to 2 a.m. 10 to yeah. 2 a.m. And it's like four hours long. And man, they get into some stuff. And if you, if you like going down the rabbit hole with us, yeah. you go over to that show, it's going to take you to a whole nother level. Very interesting guests. Yes. And, uh, and they have a long track record and great history. And uh, I think at the time. Famous stories. They, the story oh, where sure. the guy like calls in from the airplane as he's flying into Area 51 uh, and like disappears off the phone call. Yes. You know, and so. Of course, you know, there's probably some loopiness or whatever, but as crazy as that sounds, both Art and now George are very grounded hosts. They're, yes. they're It's not, even though the topics can trend towards fringy, right. it's not a silly show by any means. No, no. Our, Art's website's still active and current and relevant. And uh, and if you love Coast to Coast, George Nori does a great job, and he's still on every night, and they have some really fascinating guests. It's yes. kind of a so radio it show And it's record. a podcast as well. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. So, but the long and short of it is that that's where John Teeter first appeared. He appeared yeah. in these bulletin boards. What year? Um, well, he, he was first posting on them in 2000 and 2001. Okay, now, right. by the way, this is probably getting towards the end of bulletin boards, but they're still out there. And they may even still have them on the Coast to Coast website. I don't know, but he also, it's different from a forum. Yeah. It's more primitive than a forum, but it's kind of the same idea. He also faxed in some some uh, faxed some letters in, yeah. yes, to Art. And when he first appeared on the bulletin boards, his name was, he didn't say that he was John Teeter. His name was time travel underscore zero. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you're thinking, oh, okay, here yeah. comes another tinfoil hat. But something... Yeah. Um, later, in uh, January of 2001, he took the name of John Teeter when he started posting on those forums. Now, in late March of 2001, he stopped. All right? So the thing about Teeter was he stated that he had come back in time – and Forrest, you got to help me here. There's yeah. a lot of details here. Oh, yeah. He had come back in time from the year 2036, right? Yes. Right. And um, – right. There was a little bit of a Terminator 2 aspect to his story because he was a soldier, <laughs> yeah. and he was one of seven soldiers sent back in time. Uh, he was based in Florida, and they were working on a time travel project yeah. for the U.S. government. Yes. He claims there's an actual time travel unit. Cap- yeah. Temp- well, temp- what's the uh, Tempest? Tempest Edax Red Rerum? Yeah. Tempest Edax Rerum, which means uh, time devours all things. I believe so. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty close. Uh, but it's a, an established unit. He's posted a picture of a the patch that he wears. Yes, military patch. Now, uh, if there's a patch, you know it's real. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of cool. I mean, there's some, you know, nothing's yeah. better than a cool military yeah. patch. Well, no, though. there's some a lot of the folks in the military create what they call morale patches, which are funny and goofy things that you know boost their morale, and they're kind of they're kind of silly, but not official. There's which there's also I, you know I've yeah. never understood that you're in this weird clandestine unit, <laughs> right? But you have a patch. Well, no, well, you know, <laughs> there's always thinking, like you're at Starbucks. It's like, what's that mean? <laughs> Nothing. But, but well, that's the thing. Anybody else is not going to know what it means. Yeah. And the great things about these patches is that they're imbued with a lot of symbolism. Right. And if you know what it means, there's a great website, well, that, a, a Danger Room. Wired's Danger Room has a collection oh, of those. Yeah. And some of them are really kind of fun and freaky. Well, let, let me ask you this. With the, yeah. with the teeter patch, do you know anything about the symbolism in it? Because it's got these uh, elliptical a, lines yeah. that sort of uh, intersect. What, from what I've read, it, it's, it's supposed to kind of demonstrate a little bit of the schematics of the uh, – because it all has to do with – don't want to get too involved here, but micro-singularities, which is kind of the mechanism – the, the physics mechanism by which he uh, accomplishes time, time travel. travel. Well, yeah. Just quick question. Yeah. Isn't a singularity by definition micro? 
I mean, what's a micro singularity? Oh. A gravitational singularity. Now, folks, this is just doing some cursory research. Uh, yes, early hours. It. Tells me not and, to say it. I'm, he's saying no because I uh, I use it with exactness, and uh, I just don't throw it out there like Scott oh, does for way, a laugh. It's way different. Yeah, but from what I've read, you can have a gravitational singularity. Cosmic size, and this is now you start getting into what black holes oh, are. Oh, okay, the, okay. Yeah. You know it's what I'm saying? Cosmic so this is the, versus this is the this is exactly. Uh, it's in my pocket. It's the same. It's the same principle. Versus Orion's belt. belt. Yes, min, min the three stars. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, so what what you're doing though, and and I'll, okay, so I'll briefly explain this so you can kind of get where because this is the thing about John Teeter. He knew if he's faking it, he knew enough, and he'd read enough uh, books, which is not hard. You can get enough books on physics for the layman, or maybe you maybe you major in college in physics, and uh, he knows enough that he sounds just enough credibility to make people wonder, which is the great thing about this, you know, wow, whether it's a hoax or it not. That's what makes it a great story, sure, which because, is what we love on this show. Yeah. We're, we're not coming here to tell you, oh, this is an unexplainable story. Yeah. We're coming to tell you this is a great story. Yeah, again, <laughs> if he's on the Today Show being interviewed, uh, it's over. It's not, it's not yeah. a great – it's like the dress today. Like, okay, that's done because it's made the, the Today Show. But something like this, hopefully you haven't heard about this and may, maybe it sparked some interest. But basically the gist is this. So the idea is that one way to achieve – Time travel is is the use of a black hole, but not the regular kind, the, the, not the big kind, because the idea is that if it were a singular black hole, like a collapsed neutron star, you would be crushed. And there's a great explanation by one of our other favorite folks, Neil deGrasse Tyson. He oh, explains yeah. like what probably would happen to your body and your spaceship were you to go into one. It's like going into a trash compactor. Okay, So now you took a celestial object the size of our sun, and now it's the size of the island of Manhattan. So it's a, lot, a huge amount of density and heat and crushing energy. Light can't even escape. However, there's another theory about black holes called a Kerr. Uh, or a K E R R K E R R in the South we There's say car car, car 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 no I didn't say I know. car we I do said it now car. never mind it's fine okay <laughs> it's fine so there's there was... a whole chain of drugstores yeah. called car drugs oh in the K E R R yes okay car drugs I'm oh there you saying, go in well, North Carolina well they they may be gone and they're probably all CBS's yeah. well this gentleman was a, he was a mathematician uh, I believe from New Zealand and in 1963 no, I don't know how they say it there. That's what I'm saying. You could be spot on. Yeah. So he, uh, but he proposed this theory of like, uh, well, what if you had a black hole of circling neutron stars? So it was kind of, a, and, and they're rotating. So this thing's spinning now. I, basically, the way I, I kind of understood, and, and it's kind of hard to understand. It's more c- cylindrical. Yes, you have a hole uh, in the middle, maybe. Uh, so basically, it's called a ring, a ring black hole or a ring singularity. And the idea is, theoretically, you go into this, and then you get spit out of a white hole, which would be the opposite of the black hole. We're refraining from all kinds of jokes. We said tonight's show was going to be clean. Hey, you, you, it's gonna you be clean. know. But, so, but, but if you're interested, question, Scott's got pictures later. He can <laughs> my, give you a special so link. what you're saying, though, is that all the danger is on the, the, the edge. You will hopefully not be crushed. That's the right. idea. Okay, so now if you apply this to John Teeter, what he claims, how the machine works. Because, of course, people ask him, like, hey, dude, come on, if you're real, what are the elements of this time machine that you claim to have, which are embedded in a 72 Chevy? I don't know, like, it's in a, it's in kind of a truck. 67 Chevy. The theories are, and there are some very grainy pictures still online, and we have a link to a Pinterest page with all of the Teeter documents on it, but the images are very small. Yeah. Uh, From what we can gather... The speculation is that this time machine that he came with that was was in this car yeah. 
which I love because you've got the DeLorean <laughs> Back to the Future <laughs> the, thing. You yeah. also have one of my favorite cold yeah. movies of all time, Repo Man, the oh, thing yeah. in the trunk, you know, right. like and because it was in the trunk. Let's go do um, those crimes. Yeah. <laughs> and Pete, by the way, if you haven't seen Repo Man, I don't it's care who you classic. are. I don't care how old yeah. you are. If you have not seen it, watch it. Cult, it may be the cult best classic. thing that comes out of this episode. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Or the most entertaining. Yes. Uh, yes. But, but my point is that in the trunk – he had this thing, and I guess that people had speculated, or some other people had done research. And I'm a car guy, and I'm, yeah. I'm also a forensic car guy. Sure. If I could see the picture clearly, I could tell you what car it was. Yeah. But I couldn't find a clear picture of it anymore. That's the other thing. A lot of this stuff has disappeared off the internet. Well, yeah, I don't know uh, who put it. A there. lot of the graphical images that are associated with his case. Yeah. They're very hard to find these days. I mean, some people had gathered it down. I even heard that the the message boards on on Art Bell's site had become corrupted and the only reason we have them is cuz people had archived them. Yeah. So there's a lot of things a little bit yeah. of weirdness there, but people had dove into it on the yeah. car and I'll wrap up yeah, on yeah. the car thing and they had determined that it was either a 67 Corvette or a 67 Camaro. Okay, two cool choices. I don't know how you can't tell the difference between the trunk of a of a Stingray and a Camaro. I don't know. Yeah. But I can't tell from that little yeah. picture even what it is. So anyway, moving on. There's, a, there's time machine in what, the trunk. Yeah, but what, and what, time machine in the trunk. But I And I don't know if that's the only machine he had. But kind of what it goes towards the argument is that he's providing – he's some amount of what he calls proof, you know, if, if like, okay, I got some pictures and it's a bunch of machinery, you're not going to get it. But this is the basic idea is that he's, this machine is creating dual micro singularities within a mag, within these magnetic chambers. So it doesn't blow us all up. And, okay. and that was a problem with the CERN reactor. Yes. And I, I yeah. just want to go really quickly. And I want to say, if you don't understand physics, which I, I do not. No, <laughs> which and Forrest doesn't. Neither yeah. one of us does. Yeah. But not, uh, I mean, a little bit. Sure. Forrest actually yeah. does a really great job of explaining how the, how, um, the C204. Yes. Or the machine. newer model, the 206. There's not. Is there a newer model? I thought, I, said, I thought he said they were working on one that was faster. I think I read that. Somewhere. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. If you look okay. online, you look up John Teeter. By the way, that's T I T O R. If you're listening and you want yeah. to be Googling stuff while you're listening, John T-I-T-O-R. Just look. You don't even have to put time travel or anything. Just look his name up. It's going to come back. That because is guess the main what? There's no history of the name Teeter. Oh, you checked. No, I'm going to check right now. Okay. Actually. Hang on one second. <laughs> and we're back. I just went to Ancestry.com. There are a few John Teeters on Ancestry. <laughs> that, are, that are real. <laughs> They're real. Yeah. They're real. They all lived in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, the ones that I could find. There was a man named John Teeter who died sometime in 1914. Yeah. Uh, lived in Chester, Delaware, and then also in Pennsylvania. And another one who was born July 22nd, 1891 in Russia and lived in Belmont, Ohio, and eventually died in Belmont, Ohio. And that's based on his World War I draft registration card, which those are hand filled yeah. out by hand. I know because there's a few of those in my family tree that I've seen. They're very cool. Now, did the name die out? It's not It's not completely dead, but uh, uh, apologies to you, Michael. But there is yeah. a Michael J. Teeter, I think, living in uh, Connecticut somewhere right okay. now. Okay. All right. So, so it, it's possibly a real It is a real name. name. And, real and name. you know, it's important to point that out because on some of the forums and message boards that we've been looking at when we were researching this story, there were more than a few people like that is such a made up name, yeah. you know. And <laughs> well, it's no, like, everyone's got an opinion of something not being real. You you have to put a name in to make an entry on yes. Art Bell's um, bulletin boards back in yeah. the day, and and on a lot of websites you still have to register. So anyway, let's get back to your explanation of how yeah, the time just machine. Very, works. All right, so very just briefly, quickly, yeah. There's the tube. So, the danger so you're, you're, is what on you're the doing, edges. you're, you're going creating. Down the 
a wormhole, and we've all you know heard that in science fiction. So yeah. it's something that it's yes, it's black hole related, and not even current physics research can totally tell you what that is with all certainty. So, uh, but basically, you're creating a, a black hole that you're going to travel into where you won't be crushed, and you can pop out the other side in a white hole or some other time. So what I he's would, doing I would still take like some oxygen, maybe some water. I don't know. Yeah, some, a backpack. Some, uh, some... Take. <laughs> crackers. <laughs> a first aid kit, yeah. some road flares. Yeah. Just, to, you know, yeah, you don't yeah. know what you're going to encounter. Well, I haven't seen the movie yet, but Scott loves Interstellar. I'm a huge fan of Interstellar. Okay. Well, well, we'll probably talk I'm about I'm not going to make any time. spoilers okay. about it, but if you if you like tonight's show, watch Interstellar. Is it is it similar themes or sim- it touches on similar things where you tra- in the way it's, it in the way they travel? I'm not going to no. spoil okay. it. Okay, all right, fine. Huh? So you anyway, guys like that? Yes. Do you like back it? To... No, didn't spoil it. <laughs> Back to what's going on in his Chevy. So he's creating a tiny wormhole that they can control. And by controlling the top spin on these things, and they're doing things like injecting electrons onto the surface of this mass. So basically, they're controlling how far into the past or future to go. So it's like a very complicated case of putting the English on a pool ball. A little bit, like two right. pool balls <laughs> rotating, and you're going to travel in between them right and not get the pinched. Center yeah. axis. Yeah, that's a, actually that's that's a, a kind of a good analogy. You're not going to travel directly into the pool ball. You're going to travel into the space between the two rotating balls that you're controlling the spin and the gravitational mass on a very tiny level. But still, that's what he's claiming allows him to go into the past. You know, by the way, that's how Bad English got named. Their band. What? Yeah, where well, they were playing pool. Pool, yeah, and it's fun. To, I made a bad shot. The ball <laughs> like, went the wrong way, and he was like, dude, that's some bad English. And they were like, oh, no. that's it. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, that may be yeah. apocryphal, but that's what I've read. Oh, I'll take it. I'll okay. accept that. Anyway, sure. so we're going down the tube. Yeah. So basically, that's how he claims that this machine works. And there's it's other... It's a micro-singularity. Com- dual circling micro-singularities is the basic principle. Now, this is the thing. It's all theoretical at this point. It's hard to For prove us, or disprove. It is. For him, he used it to get here. Well, that's how he, that's what he claims. Or maybe he just Corvette. got in a Chevy and drove to the postal fax place, yes. you know, and bought a birthday card and sent this fax to Art Bell. Right. We don't really know. But anyway, the, my point is that he read up enough on this that these are existing ideas. Now, it's all, it's all fringe. It's a lot of it's theoretical. It's quantum physics, quantum mechanics. It's, right. it's, these are complicated ideas. However, he gives himself the out in that, like, hey, I'm not a physicist. I'm a soldier. Yeah, Who I was sent. About, I don't I know how sent. the plane works. Yeah. I can't build the plane. Yeah. I can fly the plane. Don't ask Jean-Claude Van Damme and Time Cop to yes. explain how it happens. He just knows that he knows that Ron Silver cannot touch himself. Yes. See, we're, and again, we're trying. As these come up, and I'm remembering, I'm trying to throw in every time travel-related movie I can think of. Yes, but we'll, uh, we'll see how far job. we go. Oh, by okay. the way, along those lines, yeah. I don't know if it's going to come up organically or not. But if you like movies, you know, we always talk about movies. And yeah, it's just it's because who we are. And yes, right now we we both live in Hollywood and whatever. Yeah, we're, it's kind of our field. Though. Yeah, sure. you actually studied. I did at a uh, lauded institution. Impressive. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah. But uh, it was film history and criticism. Right. Got veered away from that, but I'm, I, I love having that knowledge where I can impress people at cocktail It's amazing. Sure. And I, you know, I have that degree in communications, which is different. That's but, right. You know, it's, it, we both have a, a film history background, but just quickly with the sci-fi movie recommendations, specifically as they relate to time travel, I'm going to give a shout out to Primer. Which oh, was yeah. an independent movie. Uh, the guys they had no money, and a lot of times that is the birth of creativity, right? Yeah, there. you got uh, an amazing you, you rely on story. Film, primer. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, find it. It might be on Netflix. You're whatever. gonna probably have to see it a few times, yeah. but because it's it's uh, 
it's meaty. Yes. You know, the ideas are meaty because, again, anything with time travel and what happens. And How do you yeah, deal with the paradox? Well, he's breaking some rules. No, one, not, don't just don't tell the movie. Nobody wants. No, to no, not the movie. movie. I'm talking about John Teeter. He's oh. breaking some rules oh, and yes. like he's hey everybody, I'm a time traveler. Like yeah. wait, wait a minute, is that the rule one? Do not tell people. Yeah. You know, no, rule like two. Do refer club. to rule one. Do not tell people you're a time traveler. <laughs> that ruins the whole gag. Yeah. Because no, there's the very real idea that you don't affect the past like i accidentally killed my grandfather like yeah, okay yeah, well that and then yeah. you're like marty mcfly and yeah. you're disappearing from the photo or, or worse yet i am my grandfather <laughs> oh wait i wow I don't that's know what's happened i don't know but i gotta i'm, I'm not, not sure i want to think about that have too to change the closely. rating okay let's move on exactly so the question was why did he come from 2036 to both the year apparently 1975 and the year 2000 right yes that's he, right. Or, i'm not even sure was he there that whole time in between I, uh, or did boy, he come back I, and forth? No, I would take two trips. It's kind of uh, like yeah, uh, we're not we're not sure. <laughs> I would, we're I would go admit back. That. We're not sure, but no. the bottom line is, according to some people, he went to 1975 and he also went to 2000. That's going to be important for the following reason. And get ready for this. He came in search of a specific computer because he needed this computer to solve a problem that they were having in the future. And you think, oh, okay, what a big deal. Yeah. What? Well, it turns out when you drill down on this. It it really is um, a rabbit hole, as we yeah. like to say. Um, on, Boy, on it, yeah, page. terminating John Connor was much a much easier task <laughs> yeah, than what exactly. he was faced with. <laughs> yeah, know? so yeah. he came back for an IBM fifty one hundred. Now, the IBM fifty one hundred. If you take a look at it, uh, you know we have fans of all different age brackets, and we know that some people are going to look at me like, "Oh, yes, I remember that." Yeah. And other people are going to look at it and be like, what, "What's what, IBM? Yeah, what is that? What, <laughs> what is, is IBM? Yes, yeah. yeah, so I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I don't know. Right. So, um, so, but they're going to look at it, and what they're going to see is it was almost the first portable computer. It was beat out by just a few months by uh, um, the Altair eighty eight hundred or something. Yeah, like that. Right, right. So the IBM fifty one hundred though had a secret. It had well. It had something apparently inside that was not advertised to the general public. That is right. It had a processing power that enabled it to emulate and debug problems between a couple of different programming languages. This was not public knowledge because IBM was afraid yeah. of what their competitors would do if they realized that this machine had these strong analytical powers. I, right. I, I believe it was a part inside the machine that was, yeah, only the, the, the programming part, team yeah, that the, knew about. Only the 5100 had. And in fact, the general public was not aware of in any way, shape, or form until John Teeter came back and started bringing this up on these forums. Right. Unless it's it was somebody who worked on that team. Now, you a couple had, of people uh, have been interviewed. Yes. Because now these gentlemen are probably in their 70s or 80s. Yes. Uh, and uh, they asked them, is this true? And I believe I read uh, a while ago one gentleman saying, well, you know, I don't know about this time travel business, but yes, it did have this capability. And we didn't really uh, publicize it. So it's, he'd probably have to know somebody on this team right. or some kind of uh, inside knowledge. Right. And he claimed that he had been sent back by the the military unit in Florida because he was a direct descendant. His grandfather was the gentleman who developed the 5100. Now, that's what he said. Now, let's say he's hoaxing everything. If his grandfather really did work on the 5100, he would know this anyway. Right, yeah. he would it, theoretically. He might know it. And why does it but have to be still, him? This He's, is still yeah. esoteric yeah. knowledge, right? Right. Because supposedly the fifty one hundred could debug and emulate code between various programming languages, including BASIC for System Three and APL for System Three Seventy. Now, the this this is the thing I want to say about IBM security, and and we read some stuff uh, during our research for this show. I I read some stuff where an IBM programmer specifically 
and there's no way to check his credentials. Yeah. Just going to say that right now. Yeah. But there was a there was a thread that we found on Above Top Secret, which is a great website. We follow them on Twitter as well. There was a thread on there where the guy was like, "Well, you know what? I've worked at IBM for 27 yeah, years, right. and this is true." The 5100 does this. That said, it wasn't just a handful of people that knew about it. It was common knowledge inside the corporation. Yes. So it could have been any IBM employee. Right. Also, and this guy further went on. He wasn't in full debunking mode, but he's close. He was just like, if I'm coming from the future, why would I come back for this thing when I could just build it again in the future? It's well documented. That was a big point. A very big point. You don't need that machine, but you have the information to recreate You can just build it, yeah, Yeah. in an afternoon, A-team style, right? You said six months, (laughs) I think. It shoots cabbage, whatever. Right. But, like, the point is that, like, this thing, you know, it's not impossible to remake. Now, the counterpoint to that is that John Teeter, and we haven't mentioned this yet, but he he basically said he was coming from a post-apocalyptic world, and this knowledge was hard to come by. And this data was hard to come by. And we're going to get back again to the reason that he needed the 5100. And this is my special little section of tonight's show. Go ahead. The theory is that he came back for the 5100 because it had this part and because it did this thing. Now, I just quickly, I'm going to tell a little side story about the security at IBM. My family is mostly from North Carolina. Yes, I was I was born outside of uh, I was born outside of Death Valley, but I only lived there till I was like one or two. Yeah, and then um, my my parents divorced when I was like two, and I lived in Denver till I was eight or nine, and then from that point forward, I lived in North Carolina with my mom. And my parents are still friendly, so don't I don't want any of our listeners to worry. Everything <laughs> yeah. is good as yeah. far as a divorce goes. It, it and he's mostly the, normal. Yeah, uh, yeah. Everybody. Okay. Oh, you mean me? Yeah, yeah thank yeah. you. Yeah. That's very nice. But my family is mostly from North Carolina, and actually, uh, if you go back to my grandfather, who was a, an important figure in my life, he's from Wilmington, North Carolina. Last name Brinkley. Uh, as a matter of fact, David Brinkley, the newscaster, was my great uncle. <laughs> right. He was my yeah. grandfather's father's yeah. brother. Also from Wilmington, North Carolina. Clinton is a bore. He, yeah, I don't want to yeah, don't, come on. That <laughs> no, no, was his worst That was hilarious. Moment. No, no, worse. That was, that was, that was kind of, that was no, so funny. Yeah, David Brinkley sort of famously can't do that. kind of lost his yeah. mind. You don't have air. to use any of this, Towards but, the end but of you know career. what? No, I don't say, you know what? He just spoke his mind. Hey, he, yeah. you know what? He was originally, David Brinkley staked his career on a new show that he had that was something that came on as an answer to a TV show that Jesse Helms did. Uh, Jesse Helms was an ultra-conservative yeah. North Carolina politician. And uh, you know, I'm not going to say anything that will get me in trouble about it, but I'm proud of what David Brinkley did uh, as part of the Huntley-Brinkley Hour. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of famous broadcasters came out of North Carolina besides Mr. Brinkley. Also, Edward R. Murrow, one yes. of the most famous broadcasters of all time, was from North Carolina, from Greensboro. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. all that aside, my family is from down at the beach, and as a result... They have had a cottage at the beach for over, at this point, 75 years. Now, back when this happened, it was probably 50 years, 60 years. I can't remember. (laughs) Time is all a blur. But I went down to that place with uh, some family members. We all would share this beach cottage down at the beach in uh, Curie Beach, North Carolina. Pronounced Curie, but like Madam Curie, but spelled K-U-R-E. We went down there uh, with my mom and uh, some friends of the family, one of whom worked at IBM. And this house was originally three blocks from the beach. After Hurricane Hazel in the 50s, it was two blocks from the beach. Wow. We're still waiting for it to get beachfront. <laughs> but the point is, <laughs> another couple. The point of is, we're at this house and we're down there. It was my mom was down there. I was too young to like go down alone. And we had some family friends with us, one of whom worked at IBM. It was, uh, I think, um, one of my mom's like business partner's uh, sister or something. In the middle of the night, 
like because there were multiple beds and it's like just single beds everywhere. That's basically the rooms, and, and you could sleep on the porch too and hear the ocean, which was amazing. And the on these cots with rusty old springs, and it said USN on the cot for U.S. Navy. The oh, cots yeah. came with the cottage. Nice, yeah, just yeah. amazing. Free stuff. cots, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the the girl w- woman, I should say, who was there. Woke up in the middle of the night, and she was just like, Chameleon, Chameleon, Project Chameleon, Project Chameleon. What? And it woke us all up, everybody who was in the house, because she was talking so loud. We're like, what is a chameleon? What are we talking? And so they noticed, like, okay, she calmed down. I can't remember her name. Also, I don't want to get her in trouble. Yeah. Like, all right, so we're not going to go back. Everyone goes back to sleep. And by the way, I'm a kid at this point. Yeah. I don't even know how. It's somewhere yeah. between 9 and 12 or 13, whatever. Yeah, now there's a wet work team headed to your <laughs> coordinates to wipe you all out. And you know what I mean? yeah, exactly. like, yeah. It's like three days of the condo. Yeah. <laughs> so get is up it the, safe? Yeah. We get up the next morning. And we're all just the eggs and whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, so what's communion? <laughs> she turned white as a sheet. She was like, what? How do you know about oh that? Oh, my gosh. What are you talking about? Yeah. And we're just like, what's communion? What's communion? She was like, no, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And she like <laughs> left the room. Now, her sister was down there too. Her sister was the one who was my mom's business associate. And um, so her sister goes and talks to her and apparently comes back and is like, that's that's a secret project at IBM. Oh, my goodness. And she couldn't believe that she spoke of it in her sleep. Wow. And she was really freaked out about it. So my point is, coming back to John Teeter, and yeah. I know this was a very long like anecdote. but oh, I enjoyed it. Um, what I'm saying is that the security at IBM is no joke. Yeah. She was mortified also that she had said all this stuff. Yeah. So my point is, if the 5100 had a hidden talent... Even though this one 27-year engineer who posted on this message board, who also is just saying that he's a 27-year engineer. Not 27 years old. He's no, been no, in no. the business and, and, 27 yeah, years. No, yeah, at so, IBM, right. 27 yeah, right, years. Right. We don't have a reason not to believe him. But he was saying, well, everybody at IBM knew this. I'm giving you a counterpoint to that. Yeah. I'm giving you like – so, and I'm not trying to do confirmation bias. I'm just saying these are the two experiences that I've had. Right. So he came back for this machine that could solve these problems that had specific, you know, they could emulate. And our listeners, I'm sure, are using all different kinds of computers. But for me, one of the comparisons is, is anybody that has a Mac uh, and has ever used boot camp to run uh, the PC, to do a PC emulation on your Mac. It's the same kind of thing. I have a Mac. I don't want a PC, but I need to run the PC version of Microsoft Word right now so I can test this or that or the other. That's what emulation is all about. Or when you steal some code and you try to trick your computer into pretending it's a Nintendo 64 or whatever. That's emulation. And this machine had the ability to emulate between these two languages that were specific to computing languages in the 70s when it came out in 1975, but more importantly, specific to language that was pertinent to Unix. Yes. And Unix is a big deal. Unix yeah. is like, well, that's the piston and the cylinder, the internal combustion engine. Runs it's a lot of stuff. still around. Yeah. yeah. And Unix is particularly popular in what we call embedded systems. And what that means is you have Unix code in these little tiny sort of microsystems, coming back to micro singularities yep. and micro whatever, yeah. where it's, it's a chip. It's a chipset or, or some code that basically tells a larger system that's mechanical or electrical in nature how to behave. Yeah. So these are they, instructions you'll never see or need to access. Right. But they're part of the reason your car is so effing cool. Yeah. And I'm paying attention to our rating. <laughs> sure. Effin? Is it okay to say Effin? <laughs> yeah. That's so, a guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but they really are. But when you, when you look at your anti-lock brakes or your all-wheel drive system 
or inertial GPS systems in airplanes. Yes. These these have embedded systems in them. Uh, you know, when Which, your Porsche yeah. needs to start up on a cold morning and uh, figure out the, the air fuel mixture, all yeah. that stuff, they, they have embedded systems, and yeah. Unix is a part of that. The problem is Unix has an integer problem. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get super deep into this, but the bottom line is that it's a lot like the Y2K thing. It's pretty much the Y. It's yeah, in its yeah. own version. Yes, that's a good way to you know that's a good way to explain it and understand it exactly. And guess what? The trigger point for this problem is this Unix-based problem in all our cars, all our airplanes, and other larger like full-blown like giant systems that AT and T is using to secretly control the yeah. world. Your ice maker. Yeah. Yeah. The year that this is, becomes a problem. Two thousand and thirty-eight. Twenty thirty-eight. Well, in the year twenty thirty-eight is when these numbers fill up. And Little I believe shout it's out a- to Conan O'Brien, by the way. For oh, I love that segment. The best <laughs> segments of all time. And uh, La Bamba. <laughs> La Bamba yes. would do the vo- the falsetto. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, a lot of fun. Look and it I- up in the year two thousand. Yeah. Look it up. Great, sketch. great jokes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the idea though is that it's a little space in the in the computer code that accounts for the date. Uh, I believe counted by seconds. Yes, it's counted by and, seconds. Yeah. All computers think in terms of seconds. You have to start somewhere. You have yes, to, yeah, that's you, you that's where they think. And the problem is, you can run out of usable code. What happens is it's like at a certain date, it's like we've used every possible digit combination. (laughs) Because you got to think we're counting every second for 50 years or whatever. It's a billion. Yeah. yeah, And you know what? We don't have any more. And guess what happens then? Your plane crashes. Your anti-lock brakes don't work anymore. Everything goes down. Everything crashes. And now some people are going to say, oh, well, Y2K actually wasn't that big a deal. And it's like, you know what? It was a big deal. The reason it wasn't a bigger deal was because they took steps to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. So John Teeter uses his dual singularity machine in his 1967 Corvette to return (laughs) to the year 1975, recover an IBM 5100. Repair the clock tower. Yes. (laughs) Repair the clock tower because it has a chip in it that allows him to take this computer forward. And also he is a descendant of the man who developed this chip and allows him to take it forward into the future and 2036 and debug what is left of all the computing systems after a post-apocalyptic World War III nuclear scenario, which he's got a whole World War III thing going on oh, with yeah. his predictions. Somebody uh, actually turned that into a graphic novel. Are you kidding me? What's no, it's it a comic strip. Well, it's not really a novel. It's a, it's a comic strip. I About believe... Teeter's predictions? Yes. Yeah. Just, just you know, with the things that he mentioned. Now, this is what's interesting, because then you start getting into credibility issues. Not, not I mean, just... what you A know. lot of his predictions, to be fair, have not come true. Yes, and to be unfair or whatever, like there's a few things that could be open to interpretation of, of kind of happening, but not really. Well, it's like but this is the thing. He basically came out and said, hey, I'm not going to influence anything because that's not what you should do. However, there's a few things that I want to alert you to you should think about in this time period. No, it's just like it's just yeah. like Doc and Marty. He's yeah. like, you know, don't tell me anything about the yeah, future. Right. <laughs> and then he and Marty, you know, he tears up the note and he tapes it back together. Yes. He's like, you know. Is that Schrodinger's cat? It's Yes, uh, it's in the box. Yeah. If it's in the box, it's both dead and alive. And and you don't know until but you when look. you open the box, yeah. you make it dead or alive. Right. Because the act of observing changes the physicality of it or, or whatever the outcome exactly. is. It changes. But this is the deal. So he's going to say, I'm not going to tell anybody about the future. I'm not going to give you Super Bowl predictions or lottery numbers. On the other hand, I'm going to drop a little bomblets here about what the, you can expect, which is like, well, what? The World War III? 2015 comes into play, right? Oh yeah, because that is By the, way, the that's, year. For 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 our listeners who aren't aware, 
It is currently 2015. Yes, at the time of this recording, <laughs> which we're well yes, into the year. which hopefully will yeah. live on long after we're gone. But he's, he also claimed that, you know, in 2005 would be the start of a civil war, the, the, the uh, inklings of a civil war in the United States. It's a rich story, it's, it's, and it's hard to prove or disprove because, again, he, he can go back to the theory of timelines, or as he calls them, world, world lines. lines. Yes. John Teeter said that there was a 2.5% difference between his world line yeah. and the one that he visited, which, if you're hearing this, you live in. You are part of ours. Yeah, We're you're part of ours. Yeah. Yeah, and so the 2.5% variance would account for it. Now, of course, that's super convenient because it also it can, accounts out. for bad predictions. Yeah. Supposedly, John Teeter became attached to some people that he knew. That's rule three, by the way, in the time traveler. Do not become yeah, attached. Do not become uh, attached. Yeah, right. yeah. And you know. the one website where all of his comments are compiled is johnteeter.com. And there's a gentleman named Oliver who has – he doesn't – he doesn't claim make any claims on it. He's just he just has taken every instance that he Compiling could find. It. Yes, and it's an aggregate site. So he's taken all, everything where it's mentioned and kind of put it in a chronological order. And uh, if you want to know a lot more than you ever care to know about this, that's a great place to start. He does talk about his future predictions, which, of course, look, I was telling Scott this earlier, is that, okay, so he's doing this. Obviously, we're fine in this time. Relatively, look, there's always horrible things going on in the world and great things going on in the world. But what are we most interested in as human beings and probably listeners? Why do people go to psychics and fortune tellers? Because they want to know what happens in the future. How am I going to turn out? What's going to happen? Who's going to win the Super Bowl next year? This is the yeah. thing. The, the 5100, that was secret esoteric knowledge. According to an IBM insider, and this is somebody who might just be a troll in a message board, but with 27 years of experience inside IBM and who I think it probably actually is pretty believable. Yeah. It was common knowledge inside the corporation that the 5100 had the ability to do this. Now, so if you're saying that inside the corporation of IBM, everyone knew the 5100 could do it, even though it wasn't public knowledge until the year 2000 when John Teeter brought it up, you're still talking about thousands of employees, which means if it's a hoax, you there's there's a pretty big pool of people that could do it. It's now, not impossible to find this out. It's not impossible. And also this person who, if they're perpetrating a hoax, they're, they're highly educated. They have a more than rudimentary understanding of physics. They've read some books and they've taken notes. On, theories yeah. on time Theoretical travel. Theoretical physics, sure. And every comment they've made on every forum and along with Art Bell on the bulletin boards and also they faxed stuff into Art Bell – and if you, if you want to dive down this rabbit hole again, just go to the Art Bell's website. Just Google John Teeter, Art Bell, just whatever. It's all going to come up. Trust me, it is one of the most enduring time travel stories in modern times. You and I always talk about the perfect criminal. You and I joke yeah. about like, oh, well, you know, this guy's doing this. And why didn't he get away with it? It's like Thomas Crown affair. You know what? Thomas Crown, brilliant, rich, smart. Yeah. Uh, people that steal stuff. Not so much. Right. (laughs) In most cases. You know what? Yeah. And when it comes to hoaxes, it's the same thing. A lot of times it's like they they cover, you know, two of the three bases. Why are Bigfoot's legs baggy? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Why why is he droopy? Why is it out of focus? Yes, yes. And by the way, you might have noted we we don't talk a lot about Bigfoot on the show. Oh, we will, though. We we will. And we do love Bigfoot. But Bigfoot is a paranormal cliche. (laughs) We don't even say the word paranormal that much on the show. Not that it's a bad word. Yeah. But we're just saying – we love paranormal stuff. But what we're saying is that something has to have an edge to it for us. It has to be an interesting story and – We're trying to be very broad and inclusive here. Yes. Yes, In our our topics. 
And John Teeter's story is very interesting. So what we're telling you to do is is to go and dig down on it. The the last thing that I want to say about it is that even though the 5100, okay, so we've narrowed down a pool of a couple thousand people that knew that it had the ability to do this cross-translation or emulation between these computing languages, the other thing that we can say is that the uh, the year 2038 problem, the Unix problem for the year 2038 – was well known in the computing community when John Teeter appeared. Yes. He did not bring that no. knowledge from the future. Look, we can't substantiate any of the uh, the stories that we hear, even from close friends, although I, they're close friends, so I tend to believe them. They're telling me this really happened. Yes. I will give them the benefit of the doubt and believe that that actually, that's what they perceived, that's what happened. If it is a hoax, because I, look, I, I don't know the guy who's doing this. I don't know what's behind it. Uh, it's very well-researched, obviously. There's a lot of elements that he's thought up and created. There's even a manual for the C240204 time, 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 time and travel all, machine. Also, by the way, somebody recently patented the machine. Patented that's true. It. That's true. Now, I mean, no, you can I've patent also, whatever. Yeah, you can right. patent whatever you want. And there are people in several threads that have suggested that the language of the patent and the name that's in the patent, yeah. which is John Polham or something yeah. like that. There, people are saying, if you look at the linguistics and the way this is written, him. they think it's John Teeter. Okay, that's interesting. Now, or the, the question guy is, is it, it John Teeter? I don't know. But the point is that it's the debated. time machine has been patented. That doesn't mean it works. No. It just means that this particular uh, collection of things put into this box with this diagram yeah. is patented. Right. Now, the other thing is, you know, uh, again, I, I said that I'd heard and this story. And there's pictures of that on our Oh, website. yeah, yeah. There's, there's pictures yeah. Uh, and, the, and the contraption. Now, I've... Contraption. Uh, it is a contraption. Yeah, blunderbuss. No, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Pick your term. That's actually a... Looper. Uh, that's a rifle. I'd heard this story about three or four years ago, as I said, and I went online to eBay, and I checked to see if there was a 5100 IBM for auction, and there was. And guess what the price was? $7,500 for an antiquated – basically, do you remember the K-Pro? Yeah. <laughs> That's what this yeah. was. It had Not a little tiny screen. It, yes. No, but it was one of the first personal computers – you know, that wasn't the size of a... Well, it was um, like a briefcase. My dad of had a, one. It was yeah, like a, a briefcase. Yeah, it wasn't like your you dorm snapped, refrigerator. You yeah. snapped the lid off. Yeah, right. Which had a keyboard in it. Yeah. And then inside there was a little, like, screen. There's a little screen you could like, put into the giant, the five and a quarter floppies. It was uh, it was an, an, an integrated machine meant for home use, yeah. uh, which you could run probably some simple programs on. And yeah. so that was the purpose of Grocery the machine. List. But I looked it up, and there was one... Uh, for auction, which had the manual and all that, but eventually I kept, you know, I checked back and it was gone finally. The worst parts of what he said was that in 2015, World War III would start. And also, John Teeter had a political bent. Yeah, that's kind of what I get. Which gathered. is going to, like, yeah. for me, of all the evidence, like, you know, there's a lot of scientists that say his knowledge of physics and time travel and all of that. Is cursory. Is cursory. <laughs> I was about to say that. Yes. Very good. So it takes yeah. one to know one. Yeah. All right. So right. I'm just it's saying. It's just enough to present the ideas, but he leaves himself an out not yes. to have to explain them too well. Because yes. he's it, a soldier. He's not a physicist, as he would as he would say. His messages across all the things that he posted, there was some uh, a little there bit are, of weird stuff yeah, there. Well, there's, there are definitely running themes with his, again, he said, I'm not going to tell you what the future's like. That's not really my job or, or, or responsible. But here are a few things you can look out for. That's kind of like the general... He brings up gays in the military. Mm-hmm. What else does he talk about? Uh, well, people ask him, he's like, hey, is there a cure for AIDS or cancer? And, uh, you know, said so the AIDS are working on can- cancer. You know, 
they're making advances in the research, but definitely the way he talks, there are ideas of the future that uh, are of a particular bent. And if I had to categorize them, I would say it's a little bit libertarian. He says the start of this happened in 2005 with growing unrest and Waco-type incidences that build and build until there's basically a civil war that happens. Okay, so this is not a rosy picture that he's painting leading up to our present year here. Civil war in the United States versus the – there's also an apocalyptic war. Oh, yes. Well, he's now – Yeah, and by the way – you guys are going to be like, why didn't you bring this up earlier? <laughs> it's, he suggests that Russia attacks not the U.S. citizens, but the U.S. government. Okay, here's where we get into his bent. Yeah. So apparently, you know, he's saying the, 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 the problem that Russia has is with the U.S. government, not the U.S. people. Uh, there's a, he there's also says China, in, in, yeah. China, he says China retakes Taiwan. Yes. He says other things too. Uh, we become Russia's. Gonna, I'm it's, not even going to get into it's way. Yeah, you start getting into to fringe territory, and look, we're not. We have no political views. Nothing and, that we're, we're pushing. We're not, a, we're not pushing John Teeter because he has political views. We're honestly pushing it because it's it's an interesting story. It is one of the most interesting time travel stories that has come up in the past couple of decades. He's definitely created a world for himself. The other interesting story, by the way, is the guy that uh, won big in the stock market and then claimed he was a time traveler and then and then vanished. Oh, well, that was Carlson, but he was yeah. – uh, he oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, C-A-R-L-S-S-I-N yeah. or E-N. I'm almost positive okay. he was proven to be a host. Okay. That's a great story, though. And also, that's in that link that we have yes. on our website. In in summation, uh, you got to wonder why People is somebody like, doing this? God, I know. It's, it's like, look, I've, I've, I'm episode three of a four-hour series as we always say. But why do this? I mean, yes, there is... Some people like to do hoaxes uh, just for the notoriety, but he's being anonymous. So it's not like uh, the guys who have got a Bigfoot carcass and they find out, yes, you've hoaxed this and now you've been fired because <laughs> you know your job doesn't allow that kind of thing. So why are you doing this? Well, the only thing that I could really glean from reading all of this stuff is that he's trying to introduce some ideas about government, about family about how life is better in the future. And, and yes, there was some horribleness. And Wait, uh, wait, wait. Are yeah. you saying he's introducing this because he's hoaxing and he's trying to affect – he's trying to affect some change? I think he's are introducing – Are you saying he's introducing it because he's genuine and he's coming back from a future that is a result of this and trying to say how it worked out? Well, if it look, okay, say that there's only two. If it's true, if he is a real time traveler and he's breaking some rules, rules one through five. For the record, yeah. I don't believe that time travel <laughs> works. I, I love this story. Yeah. And we tell this because we like stories like this. I personally am saying right now yeah. on the air on our show that I think this was a hoax. Yes. Yeah. I think. But I still yeah. think it's a great story. It was very well executed. Like any good story of fiction. A world is created that you can briefly involve yourself with. There's a lot of time that went into that. I'll applaud that. But as far as the uh, veracity of this, I definitely have my doubts. A lot of things don't ring true for me personally. But like I said, like you know, hey, bravo for coming up with this story. There are ideas of a, a more idyllic pastoral existence that people right. barter. Yes, it, everything's very localized. So. The, the country's uh, separated into five areas. There are five presidents who monitor each area, depending on the political and military bent of each region. So definitely he's thought about this. 
And, uh, Which clearly makes him paranoid It's Finnick. <laughs> oh, be, no, but I'll say as far as like, you know, because we were talking about like, well, what kind of person would do, spend this amount of time doing this? It's, it's, I come back to, I'd mentioned this in an earlier podcast, maybe that Scott left in or left or cut out, but it's the idea of the mentaculous from the Coen Brothers movie, A Serious Man, where you have some guy who's just kind of a crazy genius and he spent, you know, 20 years of his life compiling all these formulas, and of course, it turns out they're true. You know, he can—he's figured out time travel in his twenty-five spiral notebooks that's that he thing. works on at the diner. Some and guy it, could be yeah. doing that. Well, that's we what I said. Know. Oh, I always told you about this person that uh, there is a restaurant that's kind of uh, in my older neighborhood. It's twenty-four hours, and if you go in there late, there was always a guy in there, and he had like five or six spiral notebooks. And I just—you know—you you walk to the bathroom, devil in the diner. This is like, this is crazy genius. For the, in the record, diner. this is Los Feliz. Right? Yes, some right. At the time that this happened, yeah. not a cool neighborhood. Currently, one of the coolest neighborhoods. Oh, it's Los Hipsterville. Angeles. Sure, <laughs> yeah. But this is—I knew it was going. This is way before well, swingers. Well, go happened. ahead, say the name of the restaurant that Shall he was we? at. House of Pies. <laughs> House of Pies. Which uh, they have some pretty good pies, I got to say. Okay, but so. it's open 24 hours, and it's a, it's an interesting collection of characters. Uh, All right, so the guy's at the House of Pies. You know, you'd always see this guy, and look, he's, he's not bothering anybody, but he'd go there, he'd sit at the counter, or he'd be at a, at a, t- at a, t- a, a table for four by himself, and he had a stack of notebooks. So as he's eating and drinking his coffee and having pie, he's sketching his notebook. So I happened to walk by, and it was like... The craziest collection of like of like diagrams, schemata, and <laughs> equations, and you're like, whoa, what the? Is this guy working on the theory of everything? Yeah, he might be just goofing around. He might be crazy, legitimately, or he might be a genius. That's it for this episode. Join us in two weeks when we'll be back with a show probably not about the Coral Castle. Special thanks to Colton Honea. Wait, is that right? The proper pronunciation is Colton Honey, but believe me, announcers have butchered my name over the years. Colton somehow hacked his way into our not-quite-finished online store and managed to purchase a hat, which we promptly sent him. Thanks for being a dedicated fan, Colton. Our store will be ready soon, along with free apps for every mobile platform. Our theme was composed by Judson Crane and our sound design by Ryan McCullough. Most importantly, we want to thank our listeners. You can find us online at astonishinglegends.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Google+. Copyright Scott Philbrook and Forrest Burgess. Good night. <laughs>